minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. Visit more, uh, learn more at bullynova.com. And we are Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings from the Mass and Web Studio. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. If you're watching live on the Mass and Nationals YouTube channel or on Facebook, you can see that we are once again ma- matching our red Nationals quarter zips. Mm-hmm. Maybe for the last time, I was thinking, because it's probably going to get yeah. warmer. I mean, today's like a, a kind of like low 60s gray day. So I, I was like, I could rock this today. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be warmer today. Like, it, I thought it was going to be like mid 70s. 70s, yeah. But it's but cloudy and yeah. gloomy. So it is warm up here on our brand new studio. We have great lighting here. We've got By the end, I'll tell you. Yeah. It gets hot up here. Yeah. <laughs> so I might have to roll up the sleeves a little bit. Um, hopefully, you're also checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Again, big thanks to our friends over at Northern Virginia Community College for sponsoring the show. Over these next couple of weeks, we really appreciate their support and your support. Tuning in and watching in. Hopefully, you're commenting along. Amy, besides us matching again, how was your week? It's been pretty good. I feel like I'm super busy. Like, I was just sitting up here thinking, and I was like, is it Wednesday? <laughs> no, it's only Tuesday. Ugh, we're not even three weeks into the season. We're already losing what day yeah, it is. Yeah, geez. But, you know, on Tuesdays, we were... Tuesdays, we were red? <laughs> yeah, we were red. So, here we are. Uh, but it's been pretty good. How's your work? How's your week? It's been good. It was a busy weekend, but uh, good weekend. Uh, covered for Mark on Saturday. Covering from again on Thursday afternoon at Nationals Park for the finale against the Marlins before he heads out to the West Coast. Nice. Um, yeah, so just the mutual off day for us at Masson is, is just so clutch. The Orioles mm-hmm. and Nationals were off on Monday. You get your work in in the morning, midday, and then late afternoon, you're kind of just like, all right, time to settle down. Obviously, we prefer to have baseball on and watch baseball, but you're not actually working. It's like, all right, I can take the day, knowing that we've got a full week of games coming up, a West Coast trip for the Nationals. You know, they're not playing so well right now. They've lost five straight since that doubleheader sweep last week that we were hyping up so much. Um, so yeah, just settling Hopefully into the it's week. a good it's, reset. <laughs> yeah, a, a Monday off is always nice, mm-hmm. right? So make Monday like your weekend day. So I hopefully reset. Hopefully the Nationals reset and they're ready, ready for the Marlins this week before heading out to San Francisco, Colorado, and then Arizona on a three-city road trip all on the West Coast. So some late-night games coming at you on Masson and Masson 2 for national, Nationals fans back here on the East Coast. We've got a lot to get to today. We're going to be talking about uh, some infield troubles the Nationals have been having to deal with uh, recently. Not just uh, tummy issues for certain players, but also <laughs> communication issues, especially on that left side of the infield. Uh, we've seen that happen a lot. We, we praise the Nationals' defense a lot right. after the first week or so of the season, and it has kind of gone downhill from there. Some couple mistakes, easy fixes it seems like, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. A week from now, actually, I guess a week from yesterday, rosters shrink from 28 to 26 men. Um, the, the expanded rosters start the season after a, a shortened spring training. Uh, MLB did announce today that the max for pitchers will stay at, will be up to 14 instead of what was supposed to be going down to 13. That 13 maximum won't happen until the end of May, May 30th. So that's a good news for not just the Nationals, but all of um, Major League Baseball teams who are currently struggling with pitching. We're seeing... Pitchers are starting to get 
starting starting pitchers I did starting to get deeper into games. Um, I think the first complete game was tossed last night. Uh, so by Walker Bueller with the Dodgers. So that should help. But having 14 pitchers being available will help. So we'll see, kind of do a roster crunch and see who could be the odd men out for the Nationals as they shrink down from 28 to 26 players. But Amy, we kind of teased this last week. We weren't sure how it was going to go because of his next start. Now that we have four starts under Patrick Corbin and the results have been less than ideal, mm. I think we need to have a serious conversation about what the Nationals can and should do with Patrick Corbin uh, and whether or not he will stick into the rotation uh, for the time being. Yeah, I mean, after he had a pretty good outing in Pittsburgh, you thought maybe things would be on the upswing for Patrick Corbin. He got through five scoreless innings. Things kind of fell apart in the sixth um, and wasn't able to get out of that inning, but uh, better, you know, you thought things could be on the upswing. And then this week on Friday, things, it was just a complete meltdown. He only got through one inning and a third, gave up seven earned runs. Not great for Patrick Corbin. (laughs) Yeah, on on the whole for the season, he is 0-3. An ERA north of 11 and a whip that I'm not even going to describe right now because it is pretty bad. He leads the league in a lot of bad categories, so he's the worst across baseball a lot. He uh, currently leads qualified starting pitchers in the majors with three losses, 17 earned runs allowed, 11 walks. Um, and he's one of the only handful. And now, he has a greater sample size than a lot of pitchers. He's one of only a handful of starters who have made four starts on the season, of course, starting the opening day starter. So we've made now starting the fourth rotation of the, of the starting rotation. But, yeah, it's not great. Um, I, you know, Look, I think it needs to be acknowledged. I know this was three years ago, but the Nationals don't win a World Series without Patrick Corbin. For that, Nationals and the Nationals fans are, are grateful but I think that also can't be the full story of this conversation. Just because he won the World Series and because he has this major contract attached to him, doesn't mean he's not. Doesn't mean he's untouchable, right? Like the, he, he doesn't get a free pass for right. winning the World Series that one time and for you know being a really good starting pitcher three years ago. Now we have a large sample size of him being one of the worst pitchers in the National League. Yeah, I mean, if you're Nats ownership right now, that's the, that 2019 World Series win and Patrick Corbin's part in that is kind of what you're hanging on to um, after his performance over the last three years. And it's been a steady downfall for Patrick Corbin since 2020. He's made 46 starts over the last three seasons. In those three years, 26 losses, the most in the majors. An ERA 581, that's the highest in the majors among starters. A whip 155, worst in the majors. So over the last three years, he's consistently been really the worst pitcher in baseball. And when you're paying somebody that much money um, for the rest of this year, they owe him $20 million. Uh, That's his remaining salary for this year. So if you don't start to see production from him soon, you're going to have to put him into some sort of position where you're getting at least something out of him for that much money. It's kind of interesting because you can look at two sample sizes right now if you're watching live with us on Facebook and YouTube. Here are his numbers from 2019, his first year with the Nationals after signing that six-year deal back in December of 2018, including postseason games. 41 games total. He went 16-10, and 10, 351 ERA, 274 strikeouts, and a whip of 1207. Pretty solid numbers. You would take that as your number three starter across mm-hmm. the board. And, of course, like I said, you know you don't win the World Series without him, um, that he was the winning pitcher in Game 7 in, in Houston. But then, in a 
similar sample size since short in 2020 season all of last year and now the four starts here in 2022 it's a lot worse 46 games he's 11 and 26 like you mentioned that's the the, the most losses attributed to a starting pitcher in that time span a 581 era only 218 strikeouts and a whip of 1554 um it's just been completely downhill and look so like let's go back in time you know 2020 we said, all right, he was used in unconventional ways, not ways that he's not used to uh, in the postseason. And then, of course, the pandemic shut down. He was ramping up in spring training, gets shut down for a handful of months, and then has to ramp back up quickly. We saw pitcher stats were askew all over the major leagues in 2020. Um, and I think he only made 11 starts in that shortened 60-game season. So it's hard to con- take that full mm-hmm. sample size for what it is and then go to last year and it's a full season it's a regular ramp up and in terms of baseball activity it's a normal regular season i guess you could make the argument there were still lingering effects from the shortened 2020 season and having to revamp his arm so quickly after a short ramp up for 2020 yada 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 but the numbers still weren't there. You saw other pitchers like Max Scherzer, you know, for his first half of the season. Actually, even when he overwent to the Dodgers last year, you know, he pitched very, very well. I mean, that's not comparing Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin on, as a whole. But like I'm saying, it's pitchers weren't just across the board suffering. Of course. This was a very specific thing to Patrick Corbin. Um, and then you mentioned a couple. So it's four stars. We've got four stars. We got Mets on opening day was okay. You think you could make the argument that it was good enough to put the Nats in a position to win. Mets pulled away late. Uh, Atlanta was atrocious. Um, he only went, I think, uh, two and two-thirds innings, gave up six runs, nine hits, only struck out three while walking three. Uh, that elevated his ERA to 1080. Like you mentioned, the Pirates game was a little bit better. Five and a third innings, that was a very solid outing. Um, only gave up the two earned runs, three walks to four strikeouts lesser opponent but still significant in, in that it was a, an improvement and then you place the Giants a good opponent a good lineup Ooh. one in a third one in two thirds innings excuse me seven hits seven runs uh, three walks I mean there's so many walks here 11 walks in four starts when you're not striking out a bunch is is a is not good 11 walks and 24 hits in 13 innings that's insane. It's a lot. It's a lot of <laughs> and in, You know, you look, there has been some questionable defense, and yeah. we'll get to that, you know, behind him in just a little bit. But there's no getting around those 11 walks and 24 hits. Yeah, with the defense, like, you could say, okay, that's bad luck, but he still wasn't pitching enough to get deeper into the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Atlanta game, I remember specifically, like, he needed, like, 80 pitches to get through that second inning. Right. Or like 50, 50 or 70 pitches. That's so many just to get two innings. Yes, the defense behind you doesn't help, but if you're if that happens to anybody else, if you're a good pitcher, you still find ways to get outs and get out of that and get deeper into the game. Well, that's the thing. On Friday, he, Erasmo Ramirez came in through three and a third on 43 yeah. pitches, which is 17 less pitches than Patrick Corbin needed to get through an inning and two-thirds. So, I mean... There's a glaring difference. And Patrick, after that last start, I wasn't there. I didn't see him, but all the reports were saying that he was the most visibly upset he's ever been as a national, saying he was pissed. He was upset. He doesn't, you know, he's still going to try to work at it. I don't, but I mean, it's not like this guy is just sitting around taking his paychecks and going out and, you know, throwing softballs. He's 
He's trying. He is here trying. And he, I was there the next morning, in fact, and he showed up and he was greeted by Anibal Sanchez with a big hug and they embraced for a little bit and they laughed and they smiled. And, you know, that's just Anibal being Anibal, as Davey put it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he does have the support of everyone in that locker room and everyone on the coaching staff. It's just a big puzzle to figure out what is going wrong. Davey Martinez mentioned in that press conference on Saturday morning that he was even talking to Josh Bell about it. And Bell was like, who's, you know, of course, playing first base behind him and say, he has the stuff. The stuff is there. It's just something's not clicking for whatever reason. So, you know, we've been talking about this now for almost three years. Well, let's call it two and a half. Uh, Less than two and a half, actually, two years. And there's just no obvious fix to it. I, I, I can't put my finger on what... What like what's it's not like you know he's missing you know he needs his velocity back his velocity's fine for where it should be right now his, right. his off speed stuff it looks it looks really sharp one pitch and then the next one it's flat and that's exactly and that's kind of what Davy Martinez says I mean his velocity has trended down over the last three years not by a ton but it's, you know it's noticeably fine for it be. exactly it's fine for what it should be his his slider has changed shape consistently over the last three years and that could be part of it but like in the first inning of that game this week his slider looked good I mean really his stuff looks good and then like Davey Martinez says is everything starts to get elevated and then his pitches go flat Mm -hmm. so that's part of it but you know I just can't imagine really being him and being in this situation right now because you have to feel terrible absolutely and you it's not does and he does just like you mentioned I mean that was obvious after his outing um this week against the Giants. So what's the plan here? I mean, I, the Nationals don't haven't come out and said. Uh, Davey did say after a Friday night game that he's going to pitch every five days. But looking at the upcoming schedule, there the Nationals don't have a listed starter for Thursday. Mm-hmm. They have Josiah Gray going on Tuesday's series opener against the Marlins. Uh, then they have Eric Fetty going Wednesday night. Thursday afternoon game is listed as TBA. Now, we might get some information Tuesday pregame show. They might our pregame from Dave Martinez. They might decide by then. But as of this moment, they had not decided yet who's going to start. There are three available options. It's Patrick Corbin, Josh Rogers, or uh, Aaron Sanchez. All those guys would be on normal rest or extra rest because of the off day on Monday. Um, and Aaron Sanchez is needed to enter. So there's basically, it's basically a six-man rotation right now. Someone's going to get bumped. It'll be very interesting to see who the Nationals pick to pitch on Thursday. So, given those options and given that you have technically a six-man rotation right now, are you at the position where you move Patrick Corbin to the bullpen or even give him an IL stint to you know get a few outings and try to figure something out? I think I would go – I mean – I'm not saying the Nationals aren't the only team that do it. Every team does this, but like I would try to go figure out something's physically wrong and put him on the injured list and go down to minor league or affiliate or back to West Palm Beach or stay with the club, whatever it is, and just keep working, figure it out. I would rather do that, I think, if I'm the Nationals, then throw him in the bullpen. Because that, like we saw in the postseason, that just throws every pitcher kind of out of whack. You can't just throw him. Now, I know he's not getting deep in the game, so you 
you know, you, you would figure you get one good inning out of him. Mm-hmm. I think he did actually have a pretty solid first inning against the Giants. He did. And then the yep. second one was where he completely collapsed. So, like, all right, well, if he's in the bullpen, you only need one inning out of him anyways. Just get that one inning and then move on. But then it's going to be so hard to move him back into the rotation if that's the plan. I mean, I don't see Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo moving him completely out of the rotation for the remainder of the year. That's just not going to happen in my mind. I think it's more likely they send him down and and try to work on it elsewhere so he's not in the rotation. They're paying him way too much money, I think, to be in the bullpen. But then at least you're getting something out of him. I mean, That's true. Or do you let him just eat it, make his start every five days like Davey Martinez says, and figure it out at the big league level because – the nationals are bad anyway (laughs) you know yeah is it something that realistically he can go down to triple a or wherever it may be and figure it out is that realistic you're paying him too much money to have to make minor league starts right right. he does have two options left if push comes but i think (laughs) but i think his uh his uh MLB experience with the oh, service time. His years. service time, up, yep. he needs to accept it. Um, so it would probably Which, more likely be an IL yeah. stint than anything. But no, I think you're right. I think you know you're paying him top of the line MLB starter money. Can't have him making AAA starts. Also, can't have him coming out of the bullpen. I, again, I think that they're going to find a way to keep him in the rotation. I, I I just think you have six guys ready right now. I mean, Aaron Sanchez. Started off a little sluggish, cruised through two, three, and four innings in his start on Saturday, got beat around a little bit on Friday, but all in all was pretty solid. You would hope he'd be able to build off that. Josh Rogers has been a little up and down. You know you have in Josiah Gray. Johanna Don got beat around a little bit on Saturday, but you can you know they're you're throwing him every five days mm-hmm. out because they're they're trusting a lot in these rookies. I I think you would rather have those guys make those starts. And, and if you're going to keep Corbett in the rotation, you might have to play the matchup game. I mean, because of the off day, I mean, he is on, he will be on extra days rest, but I would rather him go out and face the Marlins Thursday afternoon than San Francisco Friday well, night. What is so funny is Davey said he thought the Giants would be a good matchup for him because of their so batting average lefties. against lefties and, you know, so on and so forth. We saw that that didn't work out, but I agree with you there. Yeah, you play, play the matchups. If your plan is to keep him in this rotation. And then I wonder if this, I mean, we know the philosophy here is they're going to pay pitchers. But now that you've given Strasburg this huge contract and you haven't seen him pitch, Mm -hmm. you gave Patrick Corbin all this money. You haven't seen him perform except for his for the first year of his contract. I wonder if that changes their philosophy, the Nationals philosophy long term on, hey, this is super risky that we are paying these pitchers so much money yeah when other teams are getting by you know some of these starters are on you know million dollar deals and you know getting the job done yeah he was uh 29 when he signed with the nationals that six-year deal and i guess i remember some of the criticism was he only had that one really good year in 2018 with arizona he is closer to 30 so six years is a lot that argument, of course, came back when they re-signed Strauss for seven years, and he was already mm-hmm. over 30 um, after his World Series MVP. So that's a good question, too. Like, I mean, I don't I don't think Riz and Davey are going to change that philosophy. I definitely don't think Riz. That's just always the way he's been. 
Um, and then, you know, he would point to other six, like, you know, I mean, I know it's Max Scherzer, but Max Scherzer was successful. I mean, we don't know what Strasburg's going to look like when he comes back. He's had success finding veteran guys for the bullpen. So yeah. I think they're going to continue that philosophy. And with this new retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it, they do trust a lot of their young arms. And, you know, they have a lot of trust, obviously, in Josiah Gray. They're gaining more trust in Yohanna Don. Cavalli's on his way. Unsure about Rutledge. Cole Henry's having a great start to the season. So I, I think that that philosophy is not going to go away anytime soon. Maybe you're a little more cautious about signing a 29, 30-year-old starting pitcher in the future, but I think they stick to that philosophy of building around pitching. Right. I mean, you're even taking a risk when you're, you know, spending a lot of money drafting these guys, you sure. know, so early on. So... It worked. I mean, and that's why I said, you know, I prefaced all of this is with they did win a World Series with these guys. You yeah, know, they got what they needed out of Patrick Corbin in 2019. So that's kind of what you're holding on to uh, when you're looking at how much you're paying him and what he's doing. Eighty three million dollars over the next three years for Patrick Corbin. And again, three more years. That's this year, 2023, 2024. He's only halfway through his six years deal. And that's the other part of this equation is that right now he's not tradable. What team is going to take on $83 million for the next couple of years with statistically one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball? You can't just DFA him. That's, I mean, we know the current situation with ownership and, and the, the flux of the team right now. They're not just going to have $83 million sitting on their payroll without someone pitching for it. So he's going to be a national, right? He's going to be a national for here on out for at least the next two seasons, two and a half. I mean, the only time I can see him being out of here viably in a trade option is if he does get a little bit better in that last season. Yeah, and they're, they're still going to have to eat a lot of the contract probably. Yeah. And I think the only way, yeah, that would work is if he somehow gets any way better before the trade deadline and then he goes in some sort of deal with like a Josh Bell or something like that and they can get something for him but realistically they're gonna have to eat a big and that, chunk of this guy. That last season he'll be due just close to three and a half thirty five and a half million dollars for that one season alone. So it's gonna have to be a big jump. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a very Nobody's backloaded gonna, contract. Right. I mean so it's kind of it's that's why we're having this conversation. He's, he's kind of just stuck here and without any sign of getting better. I mean, we talk about how he has looked good at times, but it's not enough where you can say, "Oh, he's turned a corner," or "Oh, give him a couple more starts, he'll get there." It's even his, you know, quote unquote best starts this season, the one on Sunday against the Pirates, was shaky at times. Mm-hmm. A lot of runners on base. He didn't even get out of the sixth, so. And that was his best performance. That was his best performance against a bad lineup. And you can't really say he's getting close. He's not. And the thing is, is like, I know we're looking at a small sample size here, but this is something that's been going on for three years now. That was kind of my point earlier. It's like, it's not really a small sample size anymore. We've Mm -hmm. had, we have the same amount of sample size (laughs) over the last three, two seasons and four games that we did all of 2019, including the postseason. Mm -hmm. It's a little more, actually he's a little bigger. He's pitched in five more games over the 2020, 2021, and now four games in 2022 than he did in 19. So, yeah, I mean, that ERA is almost two full runs higher. Strikeouts are lower. 
in, in more games. The whip is way higher, and he's lost. I mean, starting pitcher record, I know that people don't really put a lot of stock in that information, but I, it's not nothing that he leads the majors in losses over the last three seasons. Mm-mm. That's something. That's a, that's a data point we have at least. Right. And so, like, let's say – I think the only real realistic way they move him to the bullpen is if, let's say, they put him on the IL, comes back, makes another bad start or two bad starts. Then I think you move him to the bullpen, and I think he could be in the bullpen to stay at that point. I, I, because I agree. that's the only way you're you're getting something yeah. out of him. Yeah, I agree with you that I think they're going to want to get something out of him. Like they're not going to just unless he's actually injured and he also has to actually agree to it. He's not just going to go make starts at AAA to try to work work on things or extend his spring training, whatever. He's, or maybe he, he would have to accept it, and that's something they have to agree to mm-hmm. do. But again, that's your what? That's part of eighty-three million dollars pitching at Rochester or in West Palm Beach instead of the major leagues. I mean, I know he's not giving you a great chance to win right now, but I don't know if you really want that. The guy, a guy with his contract and status. So do you think it's, but I agree with your point that it, at the bullpen, he's at least here contributing Mm -hmm. at the major league level in some capacity. So do you think over the next two weeks or so they let him just make his starts with the nationals? I mean, that's kind of the question, right? I, Davey has said yes, but to me, I mean, I know that they now have essentially a six-man rotation, so they have one or three guys that can start on Thursday. It will be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see who they pick to start. I think the decision, whoever starts Thursday, will be telling. Because on the surface, if you're like taking the numbers out of it, if you're just looking at you know, Corbin, Rogers, Sanchez to start Thursday, you're picking Corbin every single time to keep him close to I know the off day throw things off but to keep him close to mm-hmm. being his rotation but the fact that that's TBA right now shows me they're they're considering someone else and and looking for other options for Corbin and it kind of makes it a little bit more complicated because Rodgers or Sanchez haven't necessarily I mean Sanchez had a pretty solid outing Rodgers hasn't necessarily earned his spot to make the start over those three guys do and, you think uh Rodgers yeah yeah, like from like a power ranking of who, yeah. I mean, it would have to be if Corbin just, based on his status. I, I actually would put Rodgers over Sanchez because Rodgers has been here. He, he was here last year. They needed a guy to come up. I guess Sanchez, you could say, was still ramping up his arm, but they needed a guy to come up to take Anibal's place, and they picked Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So I would, I'd give him maybe the slight edge. But, I mean, Davey said right after the game on Saturday, Aaron Sanchez is going to get another start. That's that's not that's not in question. So, how do you fit that in? And then now I'm looking ahead at the schedule. They have a couple off days coming up. They have an off day between San Francisco and Colorado on May 2nd. They have an off day also the following Monday, the 9th after Anaheim before when they come home. And then they have off day uh, a, the week a week later, uh, the 19th, a Thursday. So they don't really one, two, three, four, five. They might not need a fifth starter until the next homestand when they welcome the Mets Astros and then play three straight in Miami. So that's a, that's a, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, that's nine games in a row. That's probably when they're going to need mm-hmm. an actual fifth starter. They can kind of 
Davey can kind of, you know, play matchups and, and shift around the rotation because of the handful of off days coming up in the next week or so. Yeah. And then, like, Steve is commenting on Facebook, I wonder if when you're thinking about when Straws comes back and if you do give Corbin that long of a leash until you get Straws back in your rotation to bump him. But it's just, like you said, there's six options so, uh, realistically. Okay. You know so what I mean? Steve is saying that you need to have Corbin in there until Strauss comes back. And if then Corbin hasn't, what he said, if Corbin hasn't rebounded by then, then make him a long reliever. That makes sense. That's a whole other month, though. That's another month of, of throwing Corbin mm-hmm. out every five days and or whatever knowing that you have six options and, like, the two guys that we just mentioned. And Cavalli looming. And Cavalli potentially. I, Cavalli wasn't really an option to start Saturday. We, we saw that, so... Mm-hmm. We know that he's not that close. He's close. He'll be here eventually, but mm-hmm. he's not that close. But Cavalli will be here eventually. What's making it? What makes it all more difficult is because nobody's lighting it on fire. Nobody's yeah. well, they're lighting it on fire, <laughs> not in a good <laughs> in way. In a bad way. <laughs> yeah, um, that would make this decision a lot easier. You know, you know they're trusting Yohanna Don. You know they're trusting Josiah Gray. And outside, I mean, Eric Fetty is here to stay for a while. But yeah. outside of that, you know, nobody's really earned their spot yeah Rogers was the one that went to the bullpen for Saturday's game or mm-hmm. excuse me Sunday's game mm-hmm. um after they elected to go with Aaron Sanchez as the spot starter on Saturday and they picked Johanna Don to start on Sunday and push back Josiah Gray to Tuesday so that could be a little bit telling that he yeah he would be the next guy out but straight to the bullpen not option down oh right so true I think Rogers does have options and he can be sent back down to Rochester without unlike Patrick Corbin. So that's maybe kind of telling too. I, the straws is an interesting point because yeah, if then that's, it's a huge log dim. Then you have too many starters, not enough starts to go around with a top prospect looming. What do you do if, you know, Aaron Sanchez has proved to be serviceable. They seem to, you know, trust Rogers in any role. You know you're sticking with O'Don and Gray. And then Strauss comes in. I mean, I also think it's interesting that, like, how big of a leash will Strasburg have compared to Corbin? It's, if you're giving Corbin this much of a leash, you got to give Strasburg an even bigger one, I would assume. Right. Not saying that Strauss is immediately going to come up and stink up the joint, but I'm just saying that if he does struggle at times and he can't, you know, he's coming back from injuries, pitched, what, seven or eight outings since the world series, whatever it is mm-hmm. over the last two seasons. So I, yeah. Injuries on top of that, you know, yeah, coming back, you're from more likely injury. to, I guess my, my point to go along with Steve on Facebook is saying like, you're more likely to let Strasburg battle through this than you are Corbin. Fair. And so that Corbin will be the odd man out. Now this also t- kind of ties into a second part of our conversation that I mentioned earlier that the roster will be shrinking down to 26 players. Uh, this time next week, uh, next Monday, they've yeah. you, you know, now they can keep up to like I said up to fourteen pitchers, uh, and I would imagine the Nationals would do that considering how kind of all over the place all the injuries they've dealt with in the bullpen, kind of scrambled this rotation has been, but you would think logic would say all right you can send one position player down and one pitcher down, um, 
but do they send baby I, in the, the infield needs help too though exactly <laughs> like because right now you have your backup catcher playing first base yeah. so an extra infielder would be very nice in this situation and then we know that Davey Martinez has elected to keep um, a larger bullpen which they've needed because they've averaged four relievers a game this year so they've needed a larger bullpen because their starters Patrick Corbin being the main one but really everybody else has not gone deep into games and you know hopefully they continue to get build their arms up and can stretch out but who knows so that kind of makes things a little bit more complicated that you know Come Monday, they have to cut these rosters. Yeah, so the doubleheader last week and the uh, contract selection of Aaron Sanchez to make Saturday spot start has now created a situation where the Nationals have 16 pitchers on their active roster. So that has to at least be trimmed down to 14 by Monday, I believe. Mm -hmm. They already DFA'd Patrick Murphy, and I think it was also telling that he was the guy that they selected to do. Uh, depart with or to bring up Sanchez uh, you know you you know Adon's safe you know Arano's safe Ciszek with his contract I think Sam Clay is probably on his way back out to Rochester um, if not sooner before that he's really struggled he can't seem to throw consistent strikes he gets that ground ball every once in a while but mm-hmm. he's also hit a handful of batters controls all over the place Corbin for right now staying Paulo Espino probably staying because mm-hmm. they with the way they're you know Guys like Patrick Corbin and Josh Rogers and even Johanna Don to a, a little bit of extent have pitched. You kind of need him in that emergency situation. Fetty's still in the rotation getting a start Wednesday. Finnegan's been great. Maybe Andres Machado. Andres Machado, but I think I feel like he's had a couple of good, better, better outings recently. Tanner's going to stay. Ramirez maybe just earned his way to stay. Um, yeah, I, I you guys trimmed two of these pitchers. I, I would probably say maybe Perez... Uh, Machado and then Sam and Sam Clay. Mm-hmm. The only thing with Perez going is that that's two lefties you're sending down, and with Doolittle out for the time being, you probably want to keep one of them. Then you mentioned Sam Clay, but you know, I was I would probably say you, you're keeping Perez over Clay. Exactly. Yep. But you have to keep. Well, you don't have to, but you should keep a lefty in there. You know, especially not knowing the fate of Doolittle right now. And then you go over to the position player side of it. You got Riley Adams and K. Bear Ruiz. The outfield is 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 what it is. You know, Hernandez, Robles, Soto, Thomas. That's going to stay. Mm-hmm. Cruz is your DH, but the infield is where it gets tricky. Bell now with his second injury in less than a week. Um, Alcides Escobar, who is not hitting, not playing great defense right now. Lucius Fox, who is struggling in all sorts of ways on the field. Hasn't got his first hit yet, right? No, but he does have an RBI. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Franco, who's probably going to stay, and Cesar Hernandez, who has had ups and downs. He's shown flashes of power and get on base, but then he'll go in a couple mm-hmm. of games without doing either of those things. You have Luis Garcia killing it at AAA Rochester right now. At what point do you also kind of just have to be like, all right, why are we starting this 30-something-year-old Escobar and not bringing up the kid who is clearly major league level major league level ready at the plate? I know he's committed a couple of errors at Rochester, but start the kids. Exactly. And, you know, if you – it'd be different if Alcides Escobar was doing well offensively. But 
he's not. And then you throw this miscommunication that keeps happening on that side of the infield with Franco and Escobar. And quite frankly, I mean, once it happens, twice, okay now. But it's been like three times now where they have had issues over there. And it's just like a lack of communication. And these are veteran players. So why not bring up um, Garcia? Garcia, And you know he's, he's, he's producing at the plate. And okay, he has four errors at Rochester, but why not let him come up and make the errors? Because you see right there, the veterans are doing it. And to steal Patrick Corbin's word, you know, Davey Martinez is pissed about this. Like, mm-hmm. He has not minced his words when talking about this because it should not be happening. Like I said, Escobar's north of 30. Franco's been around for a long time. This should not be happening. And these are ground balls. Like, that's (laughs) routine. That's the shortstop's ball every single time if you're watching with us live on Facebook. That cannot happen. No, okay. You see that at double A. And Franco's not playing out of position. No. You know? So, right. They're also playing their natural position. So, it's a communication thing. And as a shortstop, Davey said, Alcides has to call that out, has to say, That's my ball. You're essentially the captain of the infield you're you're the leader of the infield you're positioning everybody and when you call a ball it's yours Mm -hmm. like center fielder in the outfield um and so it's just there's no communication there and that that's little league stuff that's like Mm -hmm. the first thing you learn when you start playing defense in baseball is talk communication should never be quiet out there always talking here's what happening i'm getting this ball if it goes over here you're getting this one if it goes over here turn two plays yeah, i will second, tell you i went first. to a little league game yesterday and that's every single play yeah they're talking Calling it out <laughs> and so there's no excuse for this to be happening at this level and like you just exactly said if you're gonna deal with excuses at shortstop you might as well have luis garcia Your future up, here up there hitting you know i'm not gonna say he's, he's not gonna hit me 333 whatever it is up at the major leagues but we've seen we've seen him have success at the major league level and brief stints, he's killing it at AAA. Don't make him, you know, that borderline guy. I mean, he deserves it. He he's earned a spot mm-hmm. up here right now. And Alcides Escobar played admirably last year. You know, you're thankful in a pinch that he came up and 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 or was acquired and was able to play well at shortstop. But right now, for whatever reason, he's blocking Luis Garcia, and it's probably not not going to happen for much longer. No, I don't think so. And you know, speaking of you know, somebody who's earned their spot on this roster is Yadiel Hernandez has really been hitting the ball, um, made all the plays out there when he he plays in the field. And no, he's not an everyday player. No, he's not getting as many at-bats as these other guys, but he's doing really well. uh, And his average has improved significantly over the last two weeks or so. It's He's like, he's hitting over 300 right now. His slugging percentage is 485. He has an OPS that's better than Juan Soto's currently. I... Yadiel should be getting daily starts. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially Lane Thomas is yeah. doing well. Lane Thomas course, really struggles when you put him in center field defensively. He's he can't seem to track ball. I mean, it's it's kind of do you want Lane Thomas's a little more upside than Victor Robles's at the plate, or do you want Victor Robles's upside in center field? And then you have to play Yadi in left. I think mm-hmm. from now on. if you're if you're trying to win games, you're putting out your best lineup. Yadiel helps you do that because he is pitching or hitting really really well and he's certainly yeah exactly and he certainly you know earned it and even when he you know comes in in a a pinch hit spot or whatever it may be he said how hard it is to come in a game and produce and you know that's what he has to be able to do as a bench player like that and and he has been able to do that so props to him he's been a bright spot i'm pretty sure um davy said pregame on sunday that he does expect josh bell to be back 
and Victor Robles to be back on the lineup starting tonight on Tuesday against the Marlins. They're just being very cautious with them, as they should. We'll see how that goes. They really can't afford to lose Josh Bell for a long period of time right now because we've talked about Riley Adams having to play first base. He did admirably. He did very well Mm -hmm. for the situation that called for it. But Um, you can't put him out there. Can't put him out there. This is... They were kind of flirting with danger for a little bit. Like we kept saying, it's like there's no backup, true backup first baseman on this roster. If God forbid something happened to Josh Bell, what do they do? Well, we saw what happened and Josh Bell got hurt. Franco had to go over to first. Then then Lucius Fox gets sick on the field, has to come out of the game. So Franco has to shift back to third and Riley Adams is playing first. It was an emergency. He said it was an emergency situation. It was. And that presented itself very quickly. So I guess my point is, or my question is. Do we address it? Do you? I think you need to start giving Nelson Cruz more reps and batting practice practice at first. Just because he, I know he's DH. He hasn't played in the outfield in however long. But unless you're going to bring up an actual. You can't have Riley Adams be playing first base that much. Because he needs to also catch when Caber needs a day off. And Davey has said, no, he's not going to play the field, but he's like, if they're not going to bring somebody up, he's going to have to. And I, I don't see the problem with that. I mean, yeah. let him get some reps at first. And he's got a glove. He's been doing it. Right. He was getting in spring training. He does it every day during batting practice. It's, maybe they're ramping him up. I would ramp him up. You're like, you have to at least be ready for an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So roster crunch coming up in the next week. They need to trim at least two pitchers down because they're at 16 right now. It has to be down by 14 on Monday. Does the Patrick Corbin – it's going to be interesting. To have, I mean, there, there's a bunch of different ways they can go about it. They've got a six-man starting rotation right now. They have, of course, a bunch of injuries in the bullpen that they're covering. Um, so this – you know, shrinking down the pitching number is, is not going to be helpful, but they do keep it at – are allowed to keep it at 14 for the course of May. And then the Luis Garcia – I'll see this Escobar conundrum. Do you bring up Luis Garcia and say thank you for your time? I'll see this Escobar because he's not really doing much of anything right now while one of your formerly top prospects is killing at AAA. So a lot of moving parts over the next week or so for the Nationals um, as they, well, finish off his homestand, kick off a West Coast road trip uh, to San Francisco, Denver, and then Phoenix in Arizona against the Diamondbacks again. Facing a lot of lineups, except for the Rockies, facing two teams you've, you just faced at home, you lost five in a row after mm-hmm. sweeping the Diamondbacks in a doubleheader. You know, maybe you tag them back, get them on their turf. Never know. Never know. I mean, they, they had a pretty successful road trip their first round. I mean, they took two out of three from the Braves. I know only they lost three out of four to the Pirates, but they were in a handful of those games that they could have pulled out. So maybe things go a little differently on this road trip. Giants are a very good team, I know, but the Rockies, eh, they've been actually pretty decent. But you know with the, the Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. you can't lose three out of four no. again to the Diamondbacks. No, they can't. And Davey Martinez is moving some things around in this lineup, tried laying out in that leadoff spot, now puts Cesar Hernandez back up there. So it'll be interesting to see how he shakes things up over the next few weeks. And then, of course, all of those lingering questions. Um, the next week or two weeks will be pretty telling for the Nationals and I guess anytime you're going through a rebuild in a season like this you know the moves you make and the guys you shift around is you know always kind of in question but it, I'm, I'm interested to see how Davey will, how it'll all shake up yeah and that's like you know Davey we've, we talked about this too is like the overall goal for the Nationals is focusing on this rebuild and 
the young prospects. But Davey's job is to go one and zero every single day, so mm-hmm. he's trying to do that and right, figure find the right formula to do so. I, and that to tie this kind of all put a, a bow on this conversation. <laughs> I think that's why Corbin does ultimately stay in the rotation because I think even why not? I mean, you're just he's you're do so him. much. <laughs> he's done so much. You, you know, I think you have to he a good on the off chance you get a good Pastor Corbin, he does give you a chance to win. It's just a matter of they're not getting it. And but I, is he in the long term? Is Josh Rogers, Aaron Sanchez a better option? I don't really know. Yeah, so and then you know stays. you're paying him that much money. If you were paying him half that half as much, his leash would be half as short. But you're yeah, not. You're paying true. him a lot of money, and so you you want him to get as many starts as he can before you get to the point where you have to do something. You have to make some sort of move. And they're getting close to that point, I think, but maybe not yet. Yeah. We'll see. We will see. So stay tuned to the Mass on All Access podcast. We'll have you covered with all of the roster moves next week once the roster gets shrunk down to 26 players, including those 14 pitchers. And, of course, follow at Mark Zuckerman on MassInSports.com and the Masson app. I'll have coverage from Nationals Park on Thursday before Mark heads out for the West Coast. Amy has you coverage on Mass and All Access. Stay tuned for all that on our social media channels. Um, I'll have a conversation with Bob Carpenter on Wednesday on Mass and All Access Extra as him and Kevin hit the road mm-hmm. for this West Coast road trip. Excited about that. See how his thoughts on the team and his first road trip of the season. That'll be fun. Uh, big thanks to Brandon Mortensen for his help behind the, sh- uh, behind the scenes producing the show. Be sure to follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And don't forget, we are presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. Learn more at boldlynova.com. At Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter for me, at Amy Jennings News for Amy. We'll be back next week. Hope to see you then.